0: This episode of Manage Smarter is brought to you by Sales Fuel Sales Manager Training. Based on the Sales Manager’s Guide to Greatness, it's a 36 lesson on-demand program to upskill your sales manager so they can execute your vision and drive consistent revenue growth. Watch a free lesson and find out more at salesfuel.com/SMt. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with host C Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast.
1: Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong, Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And we've got a guy today, Lee, that's going to talk about performance-driven neurology.
2: Yeah, and well, and, and of course, this show for those of you who are new to the show on the Sales Experts channel, uh, you know, this show has always been about the psychology of management, particularly sales management. So whenever I hear about mindset and I hear about neurology or whatever, it's like I start to geek out. So I'm really looking forward to today's <laughs> conversation.
1: We're on just three nerds sitting in yeah, the Zoom pretty room. Much. <laughs> Hi, Larry Olson.
3: How are you, sir? I'm well. I'm well. Thank you. And and you, folks
1: very good very good we're so glad you could join us today
3: well i thank you so much for having me it's a it's a real pleasure to be on your show
1: All right. So for those of you that don't know Larry, you should know him. He is an international speaker, author, podcast host, and executive coach. He's a bit of an underachiever, I'd say. (laughs) Um, His years of experience working with Fortune 50 companies, championship teams, and entrepreneurs on establishing their vision and sense of purpose. And he's passionate about providing individuals with the habits that they didn't even know that were holding them back, how to get rid of them. Ineffective, ingrained. Those are two words we want to get rid of. And he's also got a best-selling book called Get a Vision and Live It, helping people learn how to change their attitudes to align with their vision. So welcome, Larry. Where do we want to start
3: with all this?
2: Oh, well, where would you like to start? I'd, li- I'd like to start by let's just define what performance-driven neurology is.
3: Yeah. Well, most people, uh, in order to grow, have to make some changes in their life. And change, having to be the number second fear of man, there's, there's, <laughs> there's an automatic reluctance from the amygdala to keep us the same till we fight it. And the only change most people are interested in is the one they've come up with themselves. And that's the challenge that leadership has is they are imposing change on their people, no matter how powerful or positive it may be, but they don't understand what's going on internally in the minds of the individuals who are nodding, like that's a great idea. And inside they go, it's not a prayer I'm gonna be doing that. And there's a lot of performance that's lost in that process. So what I do is I help people understand how the brain operates, how it processes information and how we make decisions. And the reason I bring a little science in is to help people overcome their own skepticism Mm -hmm. to I can't do any more than this. Yeah,
2: go ahead. Yeah, well, if you don't have that trust, you know, that, that I think that's first and foremost, because like, okay, you want to thrust this change upon me. It's like, what are your intentions? What, what is it that you, you have in mind here?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the, in, in my education, one of the most important things to the people are involved in it. And you've got to really respect and admire your people to incorporate them into the decision making process. Um, Sometimes I go into a company that doesn't have a vision, they don't have a sense of purpose. Other times I go into one who does. Either way is what percentage of engagement do you have? How many- Got to live it. Absolutely. And do the people see themselves accomplishing what's important to them through what the ideology, vision and goals are of the organization?
1: So what are these buckets of neurology and the way we all process and take in our information for lack of a better word, bucket, well, are like the most common categories that you divide people into.
3: Um, well, I, I typically don't divide people into categories because then you're getting into labeling, and, mm. and labeling is part of the problem to begin with, because if great example, of someone shows up late to work, how many times do they have to show up late before we believe that they, they're late? And then once we have that belief, they show up on time the next time, and people get sarcastic. Mm-hmm. What'd your watch break, what happened? Now here they've just witnessed punctuality, but because of the belief that they've stored neurologically in their brain- That narrative. That that narrative, that's all they see. And until the narrative changes, the brain can only process that which matches our beliefs. It's the only way it works. You know,
1: I'm guilty of that because I was having a conversation with Lee recently about punctuality and you said to me, Lee, this person's their brain doesn't keep the clock the way your brain keeps the clock. And like Larry. They don't you even know there this, is a clock.
2: They don't <laughs> even know there is a
1: clock when I went, what? And then Larry, you showed up early in the Zoom room for this because that's the time that you're running on. So it's interesting how it's three different lenses of
3: time. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And what whatever our truth is, whatever we believe to be. The way things should be, um, that's where you get into the concept that we'd rather be right than successful.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So just an example I give people is the brain, which stores all this information, is connected to the spinal cord through what's called the reticular activating system. It's, it's known as the RAS. It keeps us alert. It does all the automatic systems so we're able to digest and breathe and all of these without thinking about it. And the challenge is it only pays attention because there's over 30 trillion bits of information that our brain is processing a second. And you and I, we can, I get confused at multitasking. If I'm driving and talking on the phone, I'll miss an exit. Mm. So I really have to focus. and, And there's only so many things we can focus on. But once we decide something in our mind that is the truth, and it can be simply foods that we eat, the way people react. And this is where attitudes come into play mm-hmm. with leadership is I go into work with leaders and the challenge that I face is they already have attitudes about their people and what they're capable of. And the attitudes are learned behavior. We're not born with them. By the time a child's about 10, they have over 200,000 attitudes. And an attitude does not kind of affect behavior. It dominates. It has a hundred percent effect on behavior. <laughs> And until those are changed or altered, then we try hard to get along, to be okay with the person who's late, when in reality, we're seething. And until we make a change in those attitudes, which most people don't know how to do, so they just put on a new one, um, then we can't really fulfill what the possibilities are for each and every one of us relative to our own performance.
2: So let's just take your example here. So a sales manager, I've got a salesperson, whatever, who's always late for the sales meetings. It's like always has an excuse, strolling in two or three minutes in after we've already started the meeting then. How, as, how would you recommend that to that manager then to change their mindset, their narrative, to be able then to either uh, accept and work with the person that's always three minutes late or to try to get them to change their behavior so that they're not disrespecting the time of clients?
3: Absolutely. So let's say, Lee, you were the one who was being late all the time. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'd go, hey, Lee, what happened? You know, we started at nine and you came in around 905. Oh, I, I had an important client
2: call that, that, that ran late.
3: Oh, I totally understand, man. I can't tell you how many times that happens to me. Hey, do you have any idea how important your contribution is to the success of our meetings? Not really, No. Oh, man, I'm telling you, they're just not the same when you're not there. Do you do you want to be on time to our meetings? Do you find value in them?
2: Oh, absolutely. I always try.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, I can appreciate that. Hey, what do you think you could do the next time you're having a conversation with a client and you see it's going to go a little late so that you can still be on time?
2: Oh, um. Well, uh, I mean, you know, I'm in sales, so the client's, you know, giving me money. So it's like, to me, that's maybe of of greater importance than actually attending a meeting. It's like, I got to close the sale.
3: Well, I couldn't agree with you more. And who set up the appointment with the client? I did. Ah. Okay, and and do you think in the future maybe you could set the appointment up Here so it is. It don't leave you some time?
2: Here it is. Time. This is sort of like this is sort of like a chess game, Audrey, where he's kind of backing me into the corner or whatever, and I've got no way out. <laughs> <So
3: I've> got- <laughs> Here's the common denominator. Everybody's got a story, right? And if I don't listen to your story, you're not going to have any respect for me if I just try to punish you which is the worst form of behavior any leader can have is going to that fear. And we all know what happens to us when we're under fear. We're fight, flight, freeze. I mean, there's, you've gotta really be one powerful individual not to have the amygdala takeover, which shuts down your frontal lobes. So now you can't reason. That's why people say count to 10 when you're upset. The reason being, needless to say, is allow your brain to start to make decisions again. And not I, be unautomatic.
2: Well, I that's I'm the other gonna... thing too that surprises me too, Larry, is that, that we forget uh, as bosses that we're, you know that the gravity, the weight of what we say as bosses, because there's you know, can create fear and anxiety and everything like that, even though we didn't intend for it, we didn't feel like we said it in a way that would would cause that, just because of our positions alone. You know, it's like, how do you advise people to manage that or to be more mindful of that?
3: Well, you know, the, the challenge, too, for the people is to recognize that when you flood your system with cortisol, which we know is the number one killer in America today is heart disease or does cancer two to one. It's, cortisol is a wonderful thing if you're a 112 pound mother who's been in a car accident and your baby's under the wheel and you lift up the 3,500 pound car you go to the gym in two weeks, you can't press 40 pounds. What happened? Well, adrenaline, cortisol, it allows you to be super a superhero. But if you kept that up longer than maybe 30 seconds, your heart would explode. And what happens is the cortisol starts to build up. So in order to eliminate it as a leader, we have to recognize a couple things. First off, Human beings are miraculous. If you get into how the brain operates and the 100 billion neurons, each one capable of storing millions of bits of information, we're just scratching the surface as to what we could do as an individual. And when I help leaders see that those are the people they're talking with, they start to come from a position of reverence and respect. They start to recognize that this is a high performer. I certainly don't wanna do anything that would upset that performer. And now, and now they have to realize they are one as well and why are they getting upset? Why would you possibly let a circumstance dictate how you feel about any situation? And that's difficult to understand until, you're, until you understand the brain and what its job is. And that job basically is for us to maintain sanity. And so if my sanity is that Audrey and Lee are the most gifted and wonderful individuals I've ever come across, I'm in a position of reverence. I'm not into up one, up one, you know, the upsmanship kind of thing and who's the smartest here because that's intimidating and that shuts someone down. So once leaders learn about the influence Lee that you
2: mentioned there's a whole different reaction to how they come across. What about when a salesperson thinks that they're the smartest person in the room?
3: Well, then let's tap them. Let's get all their information so we can be more successful rather than coming with an attitude. You follow me? Because it's not that I don't have attitudes. You know, I can get challenged by somebody who's a know-it-all, but I have to find out why they feel that that's going to get them ahead in life cutting others off, one-upsmanship. Somebody tells a joke, and before they even get a laugh, they go, now you want to hear a funny one? And we get into this real low self-esteem and insecurity because that's really where the person's coming Absolutely. from. Absolutely, And we have to respect that because something happened along their journey that's caused them to behave this way. And I'm not talking about analysis. I'm just talking about little forgiveness.
2: Well, and the people who went with low self-esteem can also be very high performers. Absolutely.
3: And we don't want to squelch that. And that's like you said, how influential we are with one another.
1: How do we get the basic rewiring of the attitude adjustment to last and extend for the long term? Because we've seen corrective attitude adjustments in people that last three weeks and then boom, they're 180 right back to the negative behaviors. So uh, I I really am curious to hear how you
3: can- most fixes, Audrey, are, are electroshocks therapy because they're. <laughs> how many times you're
0: going to be late now? Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Do you like working here. I mean, we we start taking out our own frustration on others because you want the truth. we're not. You eating. can't
2: handle the truth. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Absolutely. Uh, well, once people know how they made their mind up to begin with, we teach people how to make up a new mind. The, the term a is an acronym, or excuse me, a hybrid for two terms. The aperture of the camera is how the image gets in, and that's all we're doing is we're, we're seeing at the speed of light. And also the um, neo in Latin is for new. So Apernio stands for new perspective. So you teach people to look at the same differently. So yesterday I looked for Lee to be late. Today I know he's a punctual guy, so I'm blown away that he's not on time and I'm not facetious, I'm not sarcastic, but I recognize that if I'm to bring out the best in him, I've got to first see the best in him instead of waiting to witness the best in him. And that's where labels come into play. Interesting. This is all this personal. Perneo.com
1: is your company name, I should add, for everybody who should go visit that website. And so you also talk about, because this is a sales show, achievement acceleration. What does that mean? What's the definition of that?
3: The definition of achievement acceleration is growing faster than your current track to being able to perform almost overnight. And that's how fast we can change when it makes sense
2: to us. When the mindset's gotta change before anything changes, right?
3: Absolutely, absolutely. And typically that either happens through fear of value. Mm. And 95% of corporations operate from fear because it's easier. And when you get into the value side, here's another interesting stat, when you operate from ninety-five percent fear, guess what percentage of performance we're able to realize from people that are operating from fear? Five yeah, percent. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, and it's, sometimes that's almost seems a little bit liberal, but five yeah. percent. When they're coming from value, when they're looking forward to coming to work in the morning, there it's the sign is infinite. Yeah. There's no limit on how much we can perform other than when we say, this is the best that I can do. And that's how
2: most people operate. How important is it? I have my own opinion on this. Okay. But how important is it for the team, the sales team, to have their own vision in addition to what the company's vision is? Absolutely essential.
3: Absolutely essential. And their vision needs to help escalate and resolve the difference between where they are now and where vision is. And, and then you get into the vision of the individual. There
2: it is. Yes.
3: Follow me. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and if we don't know what that is, we make assumptions. And the Except, percentage can't
2: rely on, always rely on the employee to have that vision for themselves because sometimes they don't have that clarity. That's what coaching is
3: about. That's why a leader sits down and goes, uh, Lee, tell me a little bit about what you're up to today. And then when you share it, I'm going to say, why is that important to you? And I'm going to start peeling the onion. So you start asking yourself, why is this important to me? Because most people really don't have that answer. They've got a couple superficial answers because we're pretty superficial. Hey, how do you do today? Fine. How about yourself? Or are loving life. Or, <laughs> yeah. You know, the angels will be, you know, all these kind of comebacks, but are we really telling somebody what our state of the union is at that moment in time, that creates a lot of, that takes a lot of trust, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. I and really, assume that you actually want the state of the union or if you're just making small talk.
3: Exactly. And how do you feel when you're getting small talk?
2: Small. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Perfect. You, you don't bring out the best in someone when you don't respect them. And we, part of that is the best ingredient is listening. And most love- people are poor at it. Right?
1: You kind of use, I call your method of questioning wonderment. Well, how do you think that, wow, how did that happen? You know, and then
2: just. Detective Columbo. (laughs) One
3: more more question.
2: Just one more thing. (laughs) (laughs) How did this dead body end up over here? (laughs) (laughs)
3: Absolutely. Um, So. You um, want to bring curiosity back into the organization. You want people to be curious when they open their eyes in the morning. And what's in store for me today? And the most important thing is, is what's that got to do with my vision? Because here's another important fact that you, you folks are probably well aware of, is we make all these decisions based on information that's been stored neurologically in the cell of our brain since we popped out of the womb. Okay. And Studies show we were listening and learning while we were in the womb, but we're not going to go into that right now. So whenever we make a decision, where do we go to? We go to all that stored information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we don't even think about it. We just react instantaneously okay and that's when when we talk about keep doing the same thing expecting different results i mean it's insanity but that's how 95 percent of people live but when you have a vision for instance look in your own rooms right now can you see any red yes well i don't have a lot of redness room i do well you got kind of a takeoff of it with that orange that orange yeah i love that yeah that's for sure okay so what were you looking for? A color. Which which one? Red. Why? Because you asked me. You challenged me. Yeah. So how come you weren't looking for green?
1: Because that's not what we were talking about.
3: Okay. Whatever you're thinking about is all you'll
2: see. Oh. Uh, right there. I love it. You got it? So, so, you so, put new things in. Well, you tend to go where where your head is, you yeah, know, you tend to go where you're, what you're looking at, right?
3: Yes, yes. And that's where we get the truth. But we don't realize that 95% of that information we're relating to is from pa- the past. hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, that's it, and sales too. We're looking at the CRMs. So we're looking at all the past yeah. action and, and and behavior and everything like that. When as coaches, wh- what we if we want to improve that, we need to actually start with the mindset. We need to then look at the motivation and then the behavior that that goes into what actions we are taking with a with client or a prospect uh, or toward achieve achieving our, our sales goals. It's like it seems like as sales managers, sometimes we look only at what the CRM says and, and what your closing ratio is. And everything like that, and 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 try to coach to that, but, but in reality, what we need to be coaching that is is the why. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
3: I which Simon my- Sinek
2: popularized for all of us. I wanted to go back to to, to that example. So you we are talking about the company vision, team right? vision, individual vision. Okay. How would you advise managers when a, a salesman's salesperson's individual vision is not in alignment with the team vision?
3: We got to We got to go back to the questions again. Mm. Um, You know, hey, I've I've noticed that this is going on and this is going on and this is going on. And I was just curious, how do you believe that that's going to get us over to here? Mm -hmm. Now, you have really got to watch your intent when you do that. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, most people's intent is I'll show you because I'm wiser than you are. Therefore, I have this title or I'm in this position. And and when you break that, when you leaders recognize that that's going to hold them back in their team, they easily drop those behaviors. It's really amazing. And that's mm-hmm. what's so powerful about the education is you get to decide for yourself whether you want to behave like that anymore. It, and if you uh, get to the point where the person's... Excuse me, Audrey. Okay, go ahead. I was going to
1: say, well, is, is, does that apply to the younger generations that have a different work style and expectations of the uh, employee employer relationship and dynamic. Does this all apply no, equally? Is,
3: this is the big dilemma. The, okay. the labels again, I've had so many leaders come up to me and say, well, how do you motivate a millennial? And I go, ask them. I'll tell you. I mean it's the same thing and once you find out what motivates them have that tied into what it is they want to accomplish and what that how that's going to tie into the vision because if they ultimately decide whoever it may be that I don't want to work towards that that's when you know you need to make a change you need to find out because you don't want anybody in your organization that doesn't want to be there yeah mm-hmm you're not disappointed with them growing and becoming more. It just might not work in the organization that they're in because we have different values and we have different objectives.
2: And if they don't want to be here, I'm not disappointed that when they leave.
3: No, you're not. And they're grateful because they haven't been successful here. It isn't interesting. And the people that are listening know this, how many times someone has left and go on somewhere else and be highly successful. Mm-hmm. Why do we need to have that happen when we can change the attitudes internally in the organization so people don't have to leave? And that's where retention comes into play.
2: But it's a it's a, a double-edged sword though, it's like, I mean, you know, we can look at our attitudes. <laughs> But right. it's also about their individual attitudes. And if we're not uh, successful in being able to change that mindset, whether it be through the way that they're wired or, or things that happened to them when they were kids or anything like that, it's like sometimes it's just or some men you just can't reach. <laughs> so,
3: yeah, you know, and you got to be careful about that belief, too, because then you'll you'll find those that you can't reach. What I have found is, do you really want to play here? And you really got, didn't got? why are you working for our company to begin with? You know, I, I, I apologize that I hadn't found that out earlier, but why are you? And when you find that out, you're recognizing that this person's capable. It's not, he's, there's not some brain dysfunction. They're more than capable. This just isn't the right fit. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, when you have that conversation, they'll tell you what's troubling them. You don't have to be an analyst. You don't have to take classes in psychology. You just have to care about your people. And it when all you
2: starts from that, Larry, it, it totally all starts from that. The best managers, I mean, and, and the survey work that we've done of salespeople, best sales manager they ever had. And we asked them that question. Number one thing, they they felt that the manager cared about them. Yeah. Not yeah. Not even close.
3: Yeah. And it seems so simple, doesn't it? Yeah. But you get a lot of leaders that weren't cared about. And so you've got to bring it to them. In the education, I put everybody through the organization, every associate, every worker, vendors, so that everybody has the opportunity to see what this company is all about and why it wants to do what it does. And then you begin to dissect it once you've decided – what the purpose of the organization is, what's going on right now where you'd be in no danger of pulling this off. And then you that's where values come in because you start saying, well, if we behave like this, this wouldn't exist. If we behave like that, that wouldn't exist. And pretty soon you've eliminated all the problems in the organizations with a new reality. And that's like saying we'll be successful if all the walls are red. When you go back to work now, you can see you got some painting to do. Mm-hmm. But nobody gets upset with one another because they've all gone through this thing together. They're all a part of it. They've all decided what are the measurables to tell us that we've actually crossed the finish line. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. My
2: Sounds last like... question for you today, Larry, is, <laughs> is this. Uh, if you get a leader then who wasn't cared for, then therefore uh, has not had that, has not been able to learn from a demonstration of caring. So therefore they're not, you know, I think it's more challenging for them to demonstrate a caring attitude toward, toward other people. It's like, how do you help those people?
3: I, I I hear their story. And all of a sudden I become the person in their lives that finally cares about them. And, you know, it only takes one individual. It only takes one moment for someone to recognize what they've been doing with their lives and how frustrating some things have been for them. And then they not knowing that it was them, they start to point the finger and they become the victim and victims are powerless. So I have yet to find anyone, one person, one person, I had a Toyota dealership in, it was number seven in the country. And after a year and a half, they were up to number two, which is very significant in the auto industry. Mm-hmm. They only changed one person. And that's the one who didn't want to come and thought all of this was BS. Had every opportunity to come around and want to play, but decided that, you know, and they happened to be the, the um, general manager. Mm. So they were a real key player. And so, you know, I can't take a lot of credit for them being successful because guess who was holding them back all those years, even though they gave me a lot of credit for their success. But it's I have that's the only person I can think of in over 40 years of being involved in this business that had to go away, hmm. that would rather go, you know, I want to be a part of this. This is the first time I've really been a part of something greater than self. And that really is a wonderful thing to to be a part of.
1: Well, that sounds wonderful. Apernio.com is your website, the book, Get a Vision and Live It. Larry, this has been great advice today. Thank you. Oh, you're
0: more than welcome. Thank you, too. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com.